Welcome back, guys. How you doing? Um, happy day after the draft day. Today's Sunday. The draft ended yesterday. And I just wanted to come in and just kind of briefly give a recap and just some kind of like overview thoughts on the draft. Um, I'm sure you all heard my reaction on uh, day two with our third round picks. Uh, not really too excited about them. And, you know, we're going to cover all that. But um, what I will say is that now that we have our guys, they're on the team and we're rooting for them and we're hoping that they are the best possible versions of themselves and we hope that they are awesome players on our team. Also, um... Now that they're on our team, I'm going to take some time and over the next week or two, I'm going to be watching some film on them because I got to be honest, half these guys I didn't even look at and the other half of them I barely looked at just because they kind of threw me for a loop and they weren't necessarily people who I thought we were uh, going to be adding to the team. So yeah, just kind of keep a lookout for that. So over the next uh, like week or two, I'm going to be trying to watch two, three, four games of uh, all the guys that we added to our team. Um, just, you know, some more in-depth analysis on who we're adding. Uh, this is just kind of a snapshot in time, first impressions, um, and just kind of like recap of the draft as a whole. Um, also, as we speak, we're currently adding undrafted free agents. I believe we've already added about eight or 10 undrafted guys. Um, and yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a few more. So first off, just want to recap all of the draft picks. So uh, the first pick in the draft, uh, the 49ers traded up from their final third round comp pick. It was pick 102. They traded up to 87. And they selected safety out of Penn State, Jair Brown. Uh, 5'11", 203 pounds, and uh, he's a fun guy. This was, I liked this pick. Um, I didn't necessarily like trading up for it, but they identified this guy. They said, hey, this is a safety that we want our team, and we're willing to give up you know, a little bit of late round capital to go get our guy. So they traded one of their sixth round picks. I believe it was the middle one. So like 160 something. And uh, I think a seventh rounder. Um, it wasn't a whole lot. Uh, but they traded up and they traded up about 15 spots. So that way they could get their safety. And uh, he's fun. I really like him. Um, he is... He's not necessarily like a super athlete. I think he only ran like a four six, um, but he's a really good blitzer. He's good in coverage. He's really good at filtering through traffic, tracking down ball carriers. He's a playmaker. Um, he has 10 interceptions over the last two seasons. Um, I think I was looking at his stats earlier. Um, I wonder if I still actually have the uh, have it pulled up here. I do. I do still have it pulled up. Cool. Let me just pull this up here because his stats were really good. Um, let's go to contents, safeties, and Jair Brown number four. So according to the uh, Dane Brugler's The Beast, 
He had Jair Brown ranked as the fourth best safety. Now listen to some of these stats that he's had over the last two seasons. So he had two seasons as a starter. He started all 13 games, all right? Both seasons, 2021 and 2022. All right, so in 2021, he had 73 tackles. He had one tackle for a loss. He had a forced fumble, 11 pass breakups, and six interceptions. So 2021, he had 73 tackles, a tackle for a loss, a forced fumble, 11 pass breakups, and six interceptions in 2021. In 2022, he had 74 tackles. Check this out. 74 tackles for a or sorry, 74 tackles, seven tackles for a loss, four and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, seven pass breakups, four interceptions. Over the last two seasons, he's had 153 tackles, nine tackles for a loss, four and a half sacks, three forced fumbles, 19 pass breakups, and 10 interceptions over the last two seasons. The kid's a playmaker. Is he an elite athlete? Not really. Like I said, he ran a, a 4.58 at his pro day, a 4.65 at the combine. So you figure, you know, in the middle there, he's about a 4.640 guy. Uh, but he plays all over. He's great filtering through traffic. Um, I really liked his ability to filter through traffic and just kind of like navigate, weave through guys and make plays, get to the ball carrier. So he's a fun player and uh, he's he's probably going to compete uh, with Tayshawn Gibson for the starting job. I don't know if he wins it outright. Uh, if I were to guess, it's probably going to be more of a Hafunga situation where he comes in um, if there's an injury and he comes in um, just kind of like on occasion, a play here, he's on a, um, what do you call that? Uh, he comes in for a certain, certain like sub packages. So maybe we'll have like a three safety thing where instead of having three linebackers or two corners and a nickel, we have three safeties. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really excited about Jair Brown. He's a playmaker. You know, like I said, dude's a beast, just tracks down ball carriers, makes plays on the ball. Fun player. I really liked him. Uh, I had an early fourth round grade on him. I think Chapman had a third round grade and we picked him late in the third round. So as far as I'm concerned, it's a good pick. Don't really like trading up. There were other safeties on the board, but I like him. He's a fun player. So you know, I like that pick. Um, our second pick definitely uh, pissed me off. Uh, we went with a kicker at pick 99, Jake Moody out of Michigan. Um, consensus, he was the best kicker. The only thing that makes this a little bit more okay for me is the fact that the Patriots picked a, the kicker out of Maryland um, like 15 picks later. I think at like 113, they ended up picking a kicker. So when Shanahan said we knew he wouldn't be there in the fifth round, he was right. And he knew something and I will give him credit for that. That being said, one of my biggest critiques of this draft class is positional value and the process and the idea that you're taking a kicker with your second pick in the draft a third round pick, your second pick, where you're already very limited, 
I just don't think it's a good process and it's not good uh, just in terms of like positional value. Like they were impact players. I was like screaming because Isaiah McGuire was on the board. And I really like Isaiah McGuire. I really wanted him. He ended up going like 120 or something to the Browns. Um, Also, Blake Freeland was there. Wanya Morris was there. Um, You know, there was offensive tackles there. And I was like, dude, offensive tackle, defensive end. We need offensive tackle depth. We need defensive end depth. Let's get those two guys. I believe those are guys that can compete for a starting position and are, are potential impact players. We went kicker. Now, as far as Jake Moody goes, the kicker, um, his 2021 season, he made all 56 of his extra points. His 2022 season, he made all 60 of his extra points. 2021, he was 23 of 25 in field goals. 2022, he was 29 of 35, which is 82.9%. He was 3 of 7 from over 50. So, basically, if it's if it's inside 40 yards, he's clutch. Um, if it's past 40 yards, it's about 66%. Uh, he also does kickoff duties. So again, like I don't feel like the value is there. We have a kick. We already had a kicker and there's free agent kickers and there's always undrafted kickers. I understand the logic, but I don't like the process. Um, but you know, it is what it is. I hope that Jake Moody is the most clutch kick-ass kicker ever. Um, he does have a good leg. He made a 59 yarder. He can do kickoff duties. So, you know, he, he should make the team. I hope he's a damn good kicker and I really hope that he's really good because that is a lot of draft capital to spend on a kicker. So the last time that somebody spent a fourth round pick or higher on a kicker, before this year was 2011. So he better be the best kicker that's come out in the last, you know, 12 years. Um, because that was the last time a kicker was kicked this high, uh, picked this high. Um, yeah, so that was kind of like my, my biggest issue. And as we're kind of going through these, just because I'm a little bit limited on time, I kind of want to just address these thoughts, these over, kind of just overview ideas. So positional value again, like safety. I don't mind grabbing a safety late in the third because you need safety depth and there was good safeties available. And I like the pick. I thought I think it's a good fit, but positional value kicker in the third round, not good value. How expensive is a kicker? A really good kicker is three to $5 million. Okay, what is like an average undrafted kicker, which let's be honest, a rookie kicker is probably going to be about an undrafted kicker. Um, Undrafted, like just kicker off the street, typically one or two million dollars. Okay, so you're saving one or two million dollars to get the same amount of production. But what if, say, you got an impact edge rusher? Well, a good edge rusher is four to eight million dollars a year. Whereas if you get a third round edge rusher that makes an impact, you're basically getting, again, four to eight million dollars in value of production over a kicker, which is, you know, so so basically you're saving 
let's say I think they have like a $1 million salary or so, about $1 million a year. You're saving three to $7 million on the cap in terms of like production cost versus one to $2 million for a kicker. So like, that's what I mean. It's kind of like, why are you drafting a running back in the first round? If you buy, if you get a running back in the first round, you're paying them like a top five, top 10 running back, whether or not they are. Does that make sense? Whereas if you pick up a running back in like the fourth, fifth, sixth round, you're paying them basically nothing, but they might still produce like a top, you know, 10 running back. Does, does that kind of make sense? Like if you're, if you're getting a, if you're getting an edge rusher in the first round, like that makes sense because quality edge rushers are expensive. So if you're spending three to $8 million a year on an, on a edge rusher contract, who's a good edge rusher as a rookie, that's a good deal. Because if you want, if he ends up being really good, you're potentially saving like 10, 15, $20 million in terms of production value while they're on a rookie contract. So that's kind of where I'm like coming at in terms of like draft value here. The next pick 101 was Cameron Latu. And this kind of brings me to another point, which is positional value. Again, like offensive tackles were there. Uh, edge rushers were there and we went offensive tackle uh, or we went tight end. Now this is kind of the next thing was um, I know nothing about what Shanahan wants. I thought that I had a general idea of what Shanahan wants to do on offense. I thought he wanted yards after catch guys. And I was, I pretty much looked at Cameron law and I said, okay, This guy is never an inline blocker and he doesn't look like he has the frame and the size to play inline blocker like Kittle. So I don't think he's a scheme fit. So for me, it was like, I watched a couple games. I looked at him and I was like, okay, yeah. Like I see it. He looks like he's, you know, a, a good route runner. He has solid hands, you know, but in terms of blocking like below average by college tight ends, So I don't think that makes sense for our team because our tight ends need to block. What does Shanahan do? Hard left. We want Cameron Law to. Same thing for Braden Willis, the second tight end. Like I was legitimately looking at guys who played in line, you know, like your Payne Durham's, your Josh Wiley's, your Luke Schoonmaker's, um, your Tucker Crafts, your Sam Laporta's, your Davis Allen's, you know, um, your... Oh gosh, I don't know. Your Brenton Stranges, your Blake Whitehearts, you know, your your kind of traditional size. If they were under 245, I basically didn't even give them a second look. It was like 245 was like the cutoff in terms of like, hey, if you're not 245 and play in line, then like they're not going to want you. Well, go figure. They got two tight ends who are 240, don't play in line tight end. And are basically like spread, you know, receiver tight ends, move tight ends. So I have no idea what Shanahan wants. (laughs) Like no idea. Um, I like that we went with two tight ends, but it was not the tight ends I were thinking we were going to get at all. Like it was literally like of all the tight ends I looked at there, they were the ones where I was like, these guys make the least sense. I don't think these guys make any sense at all for our scheme, the way that we run our offense. I am going to, as I've kind of consistently said, 
I trust Shanahan and Lynch. They've done well enough in terms of turning this team around to earn my trust. But that doesn't mean that I can't question these decisions and be like, hold up now. This makes zero sense from everything that you showed me. I have to assume that they see something unique in these players as compared to all the other guys in terms of these tight end picks because they make no sense from what I've seen before. Now, maybe what they're thinking is, hey, what we're actually planning on doing is we're going to run more pistol sets. We're going to run more H backs. We're going to start running dual fullback positions and we're going to have more like, you know, big slot guys, slot tight ends. So that way we can be even more versatile because we don't want to have only inline tight ends. Maybe that's the next evolution in Shanahan's offense. All I know is that I literally know less about what Shanahan wants to do than I thought I did. Um, and these tight end picks just like totally threw me for a loop. Um, another thing that kind of, uh, annoyed me was like I was mentioning with the process of the draft going, going kicker in the third round positional value. I feel like Shanahan and Lynch, they overvalue their in-house development they kept saying like, oh, well, we're not just going to take a tackle just to take a tackle. And it's like, you really trust Colton McKivitz, who's never started more than four games in a season. The other guy that we added, I forget what his name was off the top of my head, who's a replacement level guy who's maybe played 10 games, started 10 games, maybe 15 in his career. You trust those guys so much at right tackle that you're not going to grab one of these good right tackle prospects to get his development and depth. You really trust Jalen Moore and Nick Zakel that much that you're not going to get a single offensive lineman. All the talented guys in this draft you trust your development so much that you're not going to spend a draft pick on a valuable impact position. If you have a bad offensive lineman, it can royally fuck you. So the fact that they were like, no, 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 we trust all the guys in house. Sometimes I do have concerns about whether or not they overvalue their own guys and their development. <clears throat> so that's just kind of my thought on that. Um, which brings us to the fifth and sixth rounds, which I'll be honest, fifth and fifth and sixth rounds. These were my favorite picks. I really like our fifth and sixth round picks. So once we got through the third and I was really mad and I had that last episode where I basically just vented and complained about picking a kicker because it's stupid to do and you can get an undrafted picker or undrafted kicker or a kicker off the street or whatever. Who knows? Maybe Jake Moody is God's gift to kicking. He's the Jesus of kickers and he's totally clutch for us. And he is a pro bowl kicker for the next 10 to 15 years. If that's the case, I will eat my own socks. Um, but as far as the fifth and sixth round goes, love these picks. So fifth round pick, uh, 155, Darrell Luther Jr., not Daryl Luther, <laughs> which if you're looking at it quickly, that's what it looks like. Darrell 
Luter Jr., South Alabama cornerback, six foot, 190, ran a 4.46, had a 40 inch vertical, had a 6.93 cone. And has 32 and a half inch long arms. These are, these are some things that I like to see. The things that I really like in the fifth round. Cool. You've got an outside corner with speed, length, three cone shows good change of direction. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of him, but I do remember at the senior bowl, this was one of those guys who he fought hard. He broke up some passes and I like it. You know, you get... You get a feisty outside corner prospect with the ideal kind of measurements that you're looking for. I like this pick, you know, I like it. It makes sense. You know, like, well, we need some outside corner depth. I was saying before this draft, like, Hey, I love, I love our outside corner one, you know, Charvarius Ward's a beast Mooney. I love him. He's probably a top 10, top 15 corner in the NFL. Um, I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that uh, Diamandor Lenore played well on the other side. And outside of that, like Ambry Thomas has really struggled to play on the outside. So to me, what that means is Ambry Thomas is kind of, you know, may or may not break, make the team. He's probably a bubble guy. But all the other guys that we have are kind of, you know, inside, outside guys it's basically like we don't really have a whole lot of depth at outside corner, but we've kind of got like three or four guys competing for nickel. So I really like the idea of bringing in again, an, a guy who can play outside corner, you know, he's got some change in direction with a 6.9 flat free three cone, a four, six with a 40 inch vertical to me. What that says is, Hey, he can follow guys downfield, He's got long arms, so he can win. He can break up passes at the catch point. He can jump up with a 40-inch vert, uses long arms, big hands, keep up with guys, break up passes. I love that for an outside corner. I really like this pick. This is a good pick. One of my favorites. The next pick, we went one, and I will say South Alabama, very hard to find film on. I didn't watch any film. I wanted to watch film on this guy because he was one of our top 30 visits. So I think that matters. They did bring him in for a top 30. Remember I was saying how they end up drafting top 30 visits. Bam. There we go. They brought him in. They drafted him. Next pick. Fifth pick. I was like, dude, we need defensive end depth. What do they do? They get a speed rusher out of Georgia. Robert Beal Jr. Six foot four, 247, ran a sub four, five, 40, a four, four, eight, 40. And he has 34 and a half long inch arms. Like you have a speed guy with this like long, strong and fast. I'm, I haven't had a chance to watch very much of him. He wasn't really on my radar. PFF had him ranked at like 350 as an edge. So it wasn't one of the guys that I got to, even though I looked at like 30 or 40 edge rushers. Um, by the way, it was kind of frustrating. Like, just the fact that I watched film and did write-ups on like 220 guys and they all like half the guys they drafted. I didn't even look at I was like, what the fuck? I didn't even do this guy. <laughs> but yeah, I like it. You know, like I haven't had a chance to watch much of his film because he wasn't really on my radar as a potential pick. Um, but you know, you've got a really fast guy coming off the edge 
long arms. I've heard that he's strong. Basically what I've heard is what he's best at. They used him as a three, four outside backer. So sometimes he would drop into coverage. Apparently the best thing he was good at is, Hey, just speed rush off the edge and set the edge. Apparently he has the length, the strength and the speed to do those things. So I love it. You know, this is like a Chris Kosarek kind of guy. Hey, super physical talent, just in terms of like freaky athleticism, long, strong, fast, you know, put him in a wide nine, just have him rush the passer. Good. I like it. We needed a speed rusher. I like this pick. Um, There's another one where like, I like the pick also because he's so fast special teams. This guy should be able to play on special teams, which means he's got a much better chance to make the team. Again, once he get into like fifth, sixth, seventh round, it's not a guarantee they make the team. That's another thing that they really emphasized is it's hard to make our team when we have a really good team. Now we lost multiple very productive edge rushers, which is why I want a defensive end so much. You know, I was like, hey, I want two edge rushers out of this draft because we lost Ebukam Amamenehu, right? I mean, I know that we brought in Clellan Farrell. I know that we brought in Austin Bryant. But currently, the not counting Robert Beal, we were looking at behind, obviously, Bosa. After that, it goes, there's a significant drop-off. It goes Drake Jackson, Cleland Farrell, Austin Bryant, Alex Barrett. I really don't like edge rusher four and five out of that group. Two and three, I can live with. You know, if you're telling me Drake Jackson and Cleland Farrell are backups, cool. But we regularly roll four to five deep at edge rusher on game day. So we need to have quality guys at edge four and five. And I thought there was a lot of edges in this class. I would have loved, again, there was a lot of guys that I really wanted out of this edge group. I'm glad that we get one. And I like what they were thinking here in terms of like speed length. I like that. I wish we would have went earlier and I wish we would have got a second one, but I like Robert Beal. I'm going to watch a lot more tape. Sixth round pick. I like this one too. Uh, another guy that again, I just didn't really have a chance to watch. Go figure. It's like our third round pick is a kicker. Not going to watch kicker film a tight end that I think wasn't a fit. And then we went a corner that I couldn't watch because there's no game film, an edge rusher that it wasn't on my radar. And then a linebacker that wasn't on my radar. Uh, but D winners linebacker out of TCU. I really like this guy. Um, very Dre Greenlaw esque, just in terms of like physical Five eleven, two twenty seven. ran a four, four, nine. He's fun. He's fast. He's a good blitzer grab you, drag you down. He's not a big hitter, but he's a good blitzer. And that was kind of something that I want to bring up as another kind of overview of this draft was, I think that this was very much a Steve Wilkes draft. So our new defensive coordinator, what is Steve Wilkes known for doing? He is known for playing a lot of single high coverage and for doing a lot of zone blitzes. Who did we pick up? We picked up an outside corner who can play outside third single on in single high, right? And we added a linebacker who's a very good blitzer and a safety who's a very good blitzer. 
You see what I'm getting at here? Like we've got there the these three picks, right? So Jair Brown, Daryl Luter Jr., D winners. These all very much sound like um Steve Wilkes kind of guys. I'm not sure about Robert Beal Jr. He could be, you know, maybe you like if you're going to do a creeper blitz or, you know, if you're going to do a zone blitz and drop your edge rusher into a short coverage, he can do that because he played three, four outside linebacker. So like this draft had a very kind of a Steve Wilkes kind of like imprint or however you want to say it. It very much felt like he uh, he inspired and had influence on a lot of these picks. So D winners, linebacker out of TCU. Again, fun, fast, good blitzer. I didn't watch a whole lot, so I'm going to have to watch him, but I'm going to. And then we have our final three picks, our final three picks in the seventh round. Brayden Willis out of Oklahoma. Again, another undersized tight end. Um, surprised me. So, yeah, you know, we'll see. I uh, I wasn't really a fan of him. I kind of, uh, the what I looked at was, hey, he was like, it was weird. You know, he, he was, he was very versatile. You know, he, he met with 49ers at the combine. He's versatile. He's played in the backfield. He's played inline. He's played slot. He's a solid receiver. He definitely has the want to in blocking. But again, you're talking about a guy who's, probably under 240. I think he bulked up realistically to 240. To me, when I was watching the film, he looked like he was maybe 225, 230. So I am wondering if this is more of a, hey, we're going to start running more like powerful, like we're going to start running more tight ends in the slot so that we have better blockers in the slot. So instead of just Juwan Jennings being a slot, like a big blocking wide receiver that catches, we're going to start putting Cameron Latu um, and and uh, Braden Willis in the slot. And now we're going to have more bigger. We're going to have bigger uh, slot kind of guys that are like blocking downfield. So maybe that's the thought. But again, I'm going to have to watch more of this guy. I really didn't like him. I had like a seventh round undrafted grade. We got him on. We got him in the seventh round. So. I don't know. Again, it was just one of those things where I was like, he doesn't, it doesn't make sense because the body like he's, he came in, he was, he was playing under 240. And to me, I was just like, that's not an inline tight end. Doesn't make sense. But Hey, I apparently know nothing about Shanahan. Um, at 253, we almost had back to back to back seventh, 253. We went Ronnie Bell wide receiver out of Michigan, um, I wasn't the biggest fan and it's not that he was a bad receiver. It was just, I didn't see anything special, special about him. Um, so basically he's just a solid all around wide receiver. He's six foot, six foot flat, one ninety one. Um, you know, he was productive. He was tough and he was smart, you know, um, combine. He ran a four, five, four forty. So mid four, five forty. One here's here's what I will say though, looking at his combine numbers, one five two split, thirty-eight inch vertical, thirty-eight and a half, uh six nine eight three cone and a four one five shuttle. To me, what that says is short area burst and and uh change of direction. So this is definitely somebody who's gonna com- be competing for wide receiver five, wide receiver six. Uh, kind of like playing duties, maybe some special teams. We'll see. 
Um, I need to watch more game film. It was kind of a guy where I was like, eh, you know, he's probably like a sixth round pick. Here's what I will say. I had a sixth round grade on him. We got him in the seventh round. So, hey, you know what? I thought we were going to add a receiver probably later on. And we did. And I don't hate it. You know, he's smart. He's tough. He's got good acceleration, good burst, change of direction. I'll take it. And you know what? If he makes the team, awesome. We've got another receiver. If not, oh well. Um, And then the last pick we got, seventh round, was Jalen Graham, another linebacker out of Purdue. I really would have preferred a defensive end. There was still a bunch of defensive ends that I liked at this point. But again, it is what it is. Um, So yeah, linebacker, sneaky kind of need. I know our linebacker one and and linebacker two positions are set with Warner and Greenlaw. But behind that, we've got a few guys on like one-year deals, and we don't really have anyone who's really like locked down that linebacker three position. You know, is it going to be Oren Burks? Is it going to be uh, Marcelino McCreary Ball? Um, is it going to be Demetrius Flanagan Fowles? Probably not. He's more of a special teams guy. Or is it going to be D Winners? I really like D Winners. So who knows? Uh, I think D winners has a legitimate, a legitimate chance to make the team. Um, he might be, you know, linebacker three. I think he's got a legitimate chance to compete for that position. Um, so yeah, again, just kind of overview thoughts on the whole draft. I get frustrated about the positional value, um, and the process, Again, it's not always necessarily about the results, but it's about good process. You know, are you overvaluing the guys that you already have in house so that you don't just stock up and add depth at high value impact positions? Like that's that's kind of like the frustrating part of it is not focusing on positional value and things that are needs, you know, like we need edge depth. Well, we, I like that we added one, but I I would have liked two. you know, why are you getting two linebackers when you're already stacked at linebacker one linebacker two, and you've got a, you know, a two way competition. So cool. You know, in your sixth round, you get a guy who now you got a three way competition at linebacker three, but you barely play your third linebacker. Whereas, you know, your, your third and fourth defensive end, I mean, they're getting, 20 to 30 snaps a game a lot of the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I get that you trust your in-house offensive tackles, but, yeah, you know, I mean, are you, uh, you're just not even going to, not even going to look at any of the offensive tackles that are available? Like, that's kind of the one thing that just, my one little frustration uh, in terms of this draft, um, yeah, just not adding not adding depth and young, inexpensive talent at very valuable impact positions. Um, I really liked the fifth and sixth round. I can definitely see the uh, influence that, you know, our new defensive coordinator had on the draft. Chris Kosarek gets a uh, speed rushing edge uh, with some length. So, yeah, overall, like, uh, you know, these guys are on the team now. Um, so, you know, we can whine and whatnot, but it is what it is. We're going to root for the guys that are on the team. And I think realistically, uh, I think most of these guys have a chance to make the team. Um, if I were to guess who's not going to make the team realistically, I think it's Jalen Graham. I think the rest of them do have a legitimate shot. 
I would say least likely would be Jalen Graham followed by Ronnie Bell and Braden Willis, but that's just my opinion. Um, other than that, we did end up restructuring Christian McCaffrey uh, during day one or day two of the draft, so that cleared up about $8.5 million in cap space. Um, that, to me, screams that with now us having about $10 million in cap space, I think we might be making a move or two in free agency um, on Monday, especially since pending free agents who are available Anyone we pick up now does not count against the comp pick formula for next year. So, yeah, it makes sense to add someone. I would say the two guys that I'm really, really interested in would be uh, Yannick Ngakwe and Justin Houston. Uh, Again, two edge rushers. They're out there. Justin Houston, he's older, but he's still productive. I think he had eight or nine sacks and... You can probably add him on the team for like three to six million bucks, which would be great. I would love to have Justin Houston in the rotation. I think he'd be one of, he'd probably compete for uh, edge too, you know, with Drake Jackson, Cleveland Farrell. Uh, So we've got more cap space now, about 10 million. If I were to just, you know, spitball it, Uh, we did pick up Ayuk's fifth year option. We declined Kinlaw's fifth year option. And uh, yeah, like I said, other than that, Going to be watching a whole lot of game film. Um, I don't know how much I'll be able to watch, but I think realistically, most of these guys outside of uh, Darrell Luter, I think I'll probably be able to watch uh, three, four, five games, and I'll come back with some more in-depth thoughts in terms of what they're good at, what they're bad at, uh, and how I see them fitting on the team. And yeah, I'll, I'll keep you. I'll keep you updated on if we add any uh, cool undrafted guys. So. Anyways, I'm going to get out of here. Um, Till next time, like, comment, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your family, tell your enemies, and as always, go Niners.